0: There are a lot of stereotypes in the world of sales, and I think they hold people back more than they prop people up. We're going to start breaking them down right now. My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride. And I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, should have a choice. rethink the way you sell. Welcome back to the show. My name is Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host, and I'm here to help you rethink the way you sell. Today, my guest is Leslie Vanets. She and I met about a year and a half ago. I think it was through Scott Lease and his Patreon group, and uh, we really just connected. I wanted to know what the deal was with TikTok and whether or not I should be on it, and she came this close to convincing me that I should be on that platform, and Fortunately, I was able to resist. Um, Unfortunately, I'll probably find myself on that platform at some point because you gotta reach people where they are, but that's another story for another time. Uh, She and I set up a call uh, not too long after that, and what should have been a half an hour or so turned into uh, a little over two hours, and we've just really connected. We've collaborated on a couple of webinars and some other projects. I'm gonna be a featured guest on her book club uh, later this fall, so uh, she's someone I greatly respect. And if you're not following her, then why not? Because she's on like every platform and has a bazillion followers. She's worth following. And you're going to find out why in this conversation. We're going to talk about stereotypes. We're going to talk about the difference between introverts and extroverts. We're going to talk about the difference between men and women getting into this profession. And some of the long-held beliefs that you need to start questioning, especially about whether or not they're serving you. And this is an important conversation as it relates to selling like you, because if you think you have to be someone else in order to be successful or effective, well, that is the thing that is holding you back and it's wrong. So can't wait for you to dig in. I listened to this conversation again. It was a better when I listened to it the second time than it was when I was having it the first time. And I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I'll see you on the other side. Leslie, so good to be with you. Thanks for spending some time with me here. Um, We've gotten to know each other quite well over the really just the past couple of months. And um, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. You've been um, a huge cheerleader for me. Thank you for that. And um, I really wanted to bring you on to this podcast to have this very discussion, because I think um, you have approached selling from a different point of view than a lot of people have and just your approach to social media being one of the first people to get on tiktok and utilize that program when people were saying oh it's not for b2b brands it's not for this it's only for this like people were very locked in to their way of using certain tools and certain channels and you kind of said "Mm, no (laughs) <laughs> I think I can do this, and you've built quite a following. You've got, you know, you've, you've exceeded your own expectations for your business as you got started, and there's only great things in front of you. So, um, thanks for joining me here today.
1: My pleasure. I'm loving this. A 25 minute random coffee connect turned into like a two and a half hour conversation turned into multiple collaborations. Uh, so I'm very grateful to be here. Thanks for the invite.
0: That's, that's, uh, I'm very grateful that you accepted it. So thank you. Um, so how did you start all of this? What is your kind of your sales origin story? Did you grow up wanting to be in professional sales or was it something like most of us, you were kind of coerced or convinced that you could do?
1: Definitely the latter. I don't even think I was coerced or convinced because I, I feel like the path normally for women isn't like. like i don't know maybe i'm generalizing you can tell me or not but often like when i'm hiring men and i'm like why like for entry-level roles which i had you know did for like a decade of my career and i'm like why sales and they're like oh well you know people told me i had the gift of gab people told me i could you know sell ice to an eskimo like those sorts of cliches um but for women it's a lot different. They're like, Oh, well, you know, I was in a customer service role. And I really loved helping people and found out I had a, you know, a knack for selling them other things. So I, I think a lot of people fall into sales. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's, it's very many people's like dream. And, and a lot of that's because it's more seen as like a gig or a job versus a professional career. Um, but I think especially for women, it's like, Oh, I, okay, I'm good at this. Uh. Mm-hmm. All right, and that was very much what happened to me. I did not plan to go into sales. I took a job at a uh, like business intelligence community as a, a service company, um, and I wanted to be in maybe like marketing or event management. But the only job they had open was in sales, and I moved to Chicago without a job, and you know had bills to pay, groceries to buy. So I was like, okay, I'll like I'll take this job and do it until something else opens up. Mm. And it took about eight weeks to realize that I was already in the job I was meant for.
0: It only took you eight weeks. Wow. It did,
1: yeah. I hit okay. a goal. The first promotion in that company was from like junior to senior, it was a inside sales rep, so full, mm-hmm. full cycle sales. So we're cold calling through closing in a transactional environment. Um, And so the first promotion was from junior AE or sales exec, I think it was called. So junior Mm -hmm. SE to senior SE. And it was based solely on sales. You closed 20 sales and you got the promotion. Got it. Um, I did it in eight weeks and I set a company record.
0: Wow. So you went from, okay, I guess I'll do this because food is good. And then all of a sudden, over the course of two months, you're like, oh, yeah, this is where I was meant to be. What was it about this position? Obviously, the success. I mean, there are a lot of things that you're good at, Leslie, that you don't do professionally. Right. And that you wouldn't even consider doing professionally. Right. So, I mean, I was, I was good at it. I like,
1: dare you to name one.
0: No, you weren't. <laughs> so... Uh... But like you don't do TikTok professionally, I guess you no, kind God. of do TikTok no. professionally. You know, I mean, the, but there are things that you you do Please well. Please like, you we,
1: contact me for TikTok professional advice off the back of this.
0: Right? Okay, fine. I'll keep going. Right? You know, we've <laughs> talked about some of the projects you do around your home and and things like that. Like you've given yeah. me kind of a virtual tour of the place. That you live, you get you're very well decorated. You're very stylish. I'm, like there's growing
1: plants. I'm a great yeah. plant. Boss. I am not a
0: horticulturalist the things that you can do with good southern exposure though right like that's important I'm you. so <laughs> you know but so just because you're successful at it doesn't mean you want to do yeah. it professionally like what clicked yeah. about the position for you that that you're like okay now i like it and i know i'm good at it or was it okay i'm good at it do i like it i mean and eight weeks is nothing like yeah we we still have you know the both of us each of us you know, we have decades left in our professional careers, you know, like, why did you know so soon? Because I'm just going to bury the lead here. I didn't know nearly as soon as quickly as you did.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I think part of it is that it was a transactional environment, right? Like if I was in a longer sales cycle cycle environment. It would have taken me a year, two years to close 20 deals. You don't have those early wins. And part of the reason a lot of people love being in sales, I'll speak for myself, is that like adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. of winning, right? So that's like eight weeks of just like banging out those wins and that constant adrenaline rush and like the recognition of doing well and being at the, the top of the sales board. So I think that was a part of it. Um, part of it definitely was that it was so clear to me that the harder slash smarter I worked, obviously, you can't only work hard, but like, the harder I worked, the more reward mm-hmm. I got. Mm-hmm. And I had not found that in other roles. I mean, I've been working since high school. So I've been working for like eight years at that point, I I'd, I'd not ever Seen that result before? I mean, maybe right. in like wait for seeing a little bit, but like it's it's pretty like A to B when you're in in sales. Yeah, um, and then I would say part of it, Jeff, was that it seemed to come easier and more intuitively for me than the people around me.
0: Okay. In that you just saw them struggle with things that you. Found to be second nature to you, or yes. or is it just does it just come back to yeah? I got promoted in eight weeks, and it took you eight months. No,
1: you know, definitely, like, like the the intuition of being like, why would you respond that way, mm. or like why would you have not asked them another question so that you could have understood like the the things that were like, well, of course it would make sense to follow up on that objection, or like obviously they're not that interested if they won't agree to another time to speak with you like things that seemed very obvious to me and i think a lot of them were rooted in some of those soft skills right like i'm naturally very curious Mm -hmm. i am a person that leans towards a like a drive and a tendency to help i am empathetic so i think like a lot a lot of it was May, like, I was harnessing skills that I didn't know were skills.
0: Mm. Were you always that mindful? Because you, you have to be mindful to a point where you start to actually be able to put your finger on those characteristics. Right? right? Like, it's, it's one thing to say, like, well, why didn't you do it that way? Right? Like, I come from a family of people who are like, why didn't you do it that way? Right? But, <laughs> like, it's one thing to say that. And it's another thing to say, I would approach this in a completely different way. I think that's probably valuable and I'm noticing that other people aren't like it. You know what I mean? It's not just this confrontational kind of like, huh? It's, it's really, it's, it's to go within yourself and say like, oh, I'm doing this different and I'm good at it.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I mean, in the role, like I'm, you know, this like young, young buck, fresh out of uh montana in the big city chicago (laughs) so i was i was heads down like Mm -hmm. i was we were on open sales floor so i was hearing and watching what other people were doing and then realizing i was doing something pretty different and it was working a lot better for me um so i i was not at that point i don't think trying to help others Mm -hmm. i was just i was there to be like how can i get them oh my gosh how can I get the money to pay my bills um don't don't worry folks everything's fine over here (laughs) Uh, just cameras
0: and microphones crashing on us that's all it's no no big
1: deal deal. it's no big deal and this is why I say don't reach out to me for professional tiktok advice
0: (laughs) I'm
1: not I'm not as great at it as you think um so I I would say it was it was very much like internalized that I was it was in an environment that was like very forceful about like, you have to follow this script. You have to follow these exact 10 mm. steps. You have to respond in exact exactly this way. This is how it's done. This is the only way it works. And I was sort of like going around the system and finding my own way. Um, and I was getting like, I, like, people were angry at me. I got written up. I remember like very, like very distinctly remember, remember uh, getting written up like it was probably right about that time, like seven, eight, nine weeks in the company um, because I left somebody a voicemail. And that was like, not, that was not allowed. That was against the process. So I got written up for leaving somebody a a voicemail. (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't being confrontational about um, like, you should do this because it works for me. And I certainly don't think at that point in my career, I would have been able to pinpoint like, oh, Curiosity is one of my like most significant strengths. I'm applying curiosity to ask like better or or more like solutions-based questions. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, like, you know, I also had worked for 6 years before this, so I had a lot of experience like having conversations with customers, like often in customer service environments where Maybe I needed to sell them on an idea. Maybe I just needed to sell them on not yelling at me anymore because they were angry. I also, during high school and college, like Super Nerd Alert was in Speech and Debate, was in Model United Nations, okay. was you know an ambassador, the student body of the vice president. like a, I was a president of a bunch of different um, you know, like volunteer organizations and nonprofits. So I had a lot of experience coming into this entry-level role in rhetoric, in influencing, and I th- like I would consider those harder skills.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think at the time I was like, "Oh, I'm just great at this because I did speech and debate and model UN for the last four years." And then in retrospect, I was like, "That helped. It didn't hurt." But like a lot of those people had amazing hard skill sets like that, and really the skill set that was allowing me to be so successful and allowing me to set myself apart were the soft skill sets that I, at the time probably would like if somebody was like empathy is a skill set, I would have been like, screw you. No, it's not like, <laughs> I don't get empathy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Clearly. Um, well, it's, it's interesting when you talk about speech and debate and you talk about Model UN. And, you know, like I was on the National Honor Society when I was in high school. Um, but it's, but you, you think about like parliamentary procedure and formal structured conversations. You learn how to present your points in a way that they're thorough and complete. And there's even a bit of an arc to them. And so mm-hmm. some of that stuff you're kind of preparing for or you're, you're, you're developing skills that will help in a sales career, even if you're not preparing sure. specifically for yeah. a sales career. And um, that's, that's really, that's cool. Um, I, you said something, you said a couple of different things, um, but this is one that I have never talked to anybody about. And particularly with regard to your origin story, you said it's kind of different for men and women to get into sales. Like men see it a certain way, women see it a different way. And you know, I'm someone who admittedly, it's really been over the last couple of years, just given the the roles that I've had in particular, I haven't had the sales floor, I haven't had the office, so I haven't, you know, I've always worked remotely. And quite frankly, there's always been a woman on my team who is either selling just a little bit more than me or a little bit less than me. And when you're commission only, it's like, oh, hey, everything's equivalent, right? My eyes have been opened to the different experiences completely that women have uh, from men. And I guess I never thought about it from the way of men see it as an opportunity to go provide and for opportunities to to make money and to do cool stuff. And women see it as a, you know, they're encouraged to do it. They kind of fall into it. They're not as opportunistic with it in general. And it's really like, well, I'm a caretaker and this is a way that I can take care of people. That's actually the way I saw. That's actually the way I saw myself in it, in the opportunity. Um, But I've just never unpacked that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that men and like let's be really fair this was 15 years ago and we've made a sure. tremendous amount of of you know sort of strides away from this so I'm not talking like today I'm talking my experience in terms of my origin story. Men are often encouraged to go into sales maybe mm-hmm. they had a you know father uncle brother in sales so they're following in the family footsteps it's mm-hmm. much less likely that they had a mother, you know, sister, grandmother True. in sales, right? Yeah, that's generational, about, right, now, sure. right? Like very generational. So when we think about like, if if you don't see the person that looks like you in that job, it's a lot less likely that you would consider that mm-hmm. as a job. And like particularly in your family, like how many people do you know that are like, my father was in sales, and that was the like inspiration for for me or that's why i think i'm so good at it because i watched him do it his his whole life Mm -hmm. Uh, and beyond that men are are often told to go into sales because historically the traits that were associated with salesmen like with the profession of sales were being like an aggressive extrovert And you and I both know that that's not what actually makes people great at sales. And I don't really even think in contemporary times that like those are traits I would say are even male traits, like maybe toxic male traits. But like go back 15 plus years ago, like that was the male archetype. That was the sales archetype like men were encouraged to view sales as a really, really lucrative job because they could, you know, they had that gift of gab and they could sell to anybody and, you know, they could go in and use all their, their male skills. And those same conversations were not happening with women. Mm. So I think that's a pretty significant difference. And like having, I mean, having interviewed literally thousands of men and women for like those i don't like to call them entry level i call them ground level because they are the ground the foundation of the success of the organization but like having you know interviewed thousands and hired hundreds of folks in those those sort of ground level positions it is my experience that it is much more often that women like truly stumble into sales Mm. not like i didn't think this is the direction i would go but then i graduated and somebody told me i should try it like i guess i guess i'll try it yeah (laughs) and now i think we're changing that that dialogue like now i think the dialogue is that women should take up space in sales we know the data shows that women on average are better as sales professionals and sales leaders At like, you know, with three to twelve percent, you know, higher return rate, depending on the, you know, the job they're doing in B to B. we have a lot of amazing like SDR schools that are actively like pursuing and encouraging women to get into sales, especially tech sales. I mean, that's why I started TikTok. Like one of the huge motivators was for me to have a place to go where I could talk to the next generation of sales professionals.
0: So what does it mean to sell like you? Well, in short, it means more pipeline. It means bigger deals that close faster and more often. It means more customer loyalty, so there's less churn. And it means a culture on your team where winning is expected and everyone's having fun. Now, if this sounds like something your team needs, go to jeffbajorek.com forward slash services and find out how I use this approach to help teams like yours create world-class results. Now, back to the show. What is it, in your opinion, about women sales professionals that gives them that 3 to 12% increased return rate that that gives them the edge i've got my ideas but i'm, I'm curious i'm also not a woman um so I'm, I'm curious you know what maybe you can crow a little bit here you know but what is what are those those traits and, and i want to be careful too because these are we're, we're painting with a broad brush here and, yeah. and that needs to be said and, and it's not specific to every person there are people all over the place but you know generally speaking it sounds like there's something that maybe isn't it sounds like something that's more cultural than, than genetic or or specifically, you know, gendered to men or to women. It, it's, this is a cultural um, aspect of things because of the for the same reason that there are a lot of to what you just said. Well, there aren't very many people who have a mother or an aunt or a grandmother who was in sales before, but there are cousins and uncles and fathers and, and things like that. So, what is mm-hmm. what is it about that culture? that is is leading to that increased effectiveness.
1: I, I mean, I think to your point, it's not a siloed like, like women have a set of skills that men don't have situation. I think if you look at most top performers, they all men or women like or whatever pronouns, mm-hmm. like however, folks identify if you are a top performer, it is highly likely that you possess an ability to be a great storyteller
0: mm-hmm. an
1: ability to ask great questions to be curious that you're a, a good like a strong active listener right so i i think that it like regardless of your gender identity if you are a top performer it is highly likely that you have that set of skills but i think they are more common in women
0: mm-hmm. like
1: that is like, part part of how you know, we, we have been raised is to be more empathetic and to, you know, to just to, to kind of have that position in the world. Um, so it doesn't mean that men can't have them innately or don't, you know, don't want them or can't grow them. Um, but I would say, you know, it, like it, it might be in sales, which is still struggling with some of that, like bro mm-hmm. and sure. toxicity. I think it might feel scarier, might feel, and I don't know if this is true, but I think it might feel scarier, might feel dangerous for men to go too far to like tapping into some of those soft skills that are skills that are, are more heavily associated with being feminine.
0: It's interesting you talk about fear. It's a perfect segue, because it's the idea that you know what the right thing is, but you're still hesitant to do it. You 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 feel like uh, this. <sighs> This just feels like the right thing to do but i don't see anybody doing it and so what that does Mm -hmm. is it scares people from doing it when that's really your indicator (laughs) that you should go and do it um you know and and you talked a, a little earlier about your intuition and recognizing some things you also talked a little earlier about how you were written up for being insubordinate right how dare you leave a voicemail leslie we don't do that around here right and and it's like well wait a second this just makes sense so I think every top performer has this point in time where they recognize that that little voice in the back of their head or that that feeling mm. in their chest or in their gut is like, I should be doing this and I can't suppress this any longer. I got to do it and I'm going to do it. What was that experience like for you? When did you recognize it? Did you like at the drop of a hat or maybe not the drop of a hat, but did you decide to flip a switch and go that way? Or was it more of a... You wore yourself down to the point where you're just like, okay, I guess I better try this. Like what was that yeah, journey very, like for you? very
1: much the latter. Very much the <laughs> latter. I think it was it was probably Jeff like um like a bunch of like mini steps mm-hmm. to figure out how to to be true to myself. And I think like every year in sales, I gained more experience and I gained more confidence mm-hmm. to to be like, no, this is, this is the way this should be done. Like, this is what works for me. This is what feels right for me. This is most importantly, what best serves my customer. So this is the way I'm gonna do it. But, you know, certainly like, you know, 22 year old Leslie wasn't like storming up to their 60 year old male boss <laughs> to be like, I don't know, Tim. I think <laughs> with my seven months of experience that you have this all wrong. So no, I mean, it was I think it was definitely an evolution of gaining the the experience and the expertise, mm-hmm. which like you you can you know, like no know, know what feels good or bad. You can know what feels like icky or uncomfortable. Um, but a lot of times like what really works in sales is a bit uncomfortable and so you often see young people being like that doesn't work or I don't want to do it and it's like mm, it does work and just because like it it is not something you're used to doing doesn't mean that it like you should just not do it mm-hmm. so I think yeah part of it was the the expertise and the experience so I had the like the legs to stand on to be like This is where I'm coming from with the data, with the anecdotes. And then maybe a more important piece was the confidence, like having the confidence to to say to my peers, to my male bosses, that this was the route I was going to take. And if that resulted in me being written up or having to leave a company, which I had to do two separate times because of disagreements like this, Mm -hmm. then like...
0: Bye. <laughs> it takes a lot of guts to do that and i think there are a lot of sales people who don't have the guts to do that and they would just rather and and this is the thing that eats away at people um they would rather settle for mediocrity than to lean into a potential conflict like that and What's interesting is it's a separate conflict or a separate confrontation than most of the other thing that you run, most of the other things that you run into, you know, you're going to have conflict with, uh, clients and customers sometimes, because when you're doing good work, when you're pushing envelopes and boundaries, you're going to, you're going to run into some things where you don't agree. And, you know, it's a really highly skilled rep that will be able to handle those kinds of conversations. And I believe, um, salespeople are trained to have difficult conversations and they do it very, very well. Um. But it's interesting when it comes to something like this, when it comes to something like trusting your intuition, when it comes to something like, well, I know what's on the other side of this intuitively, to use that word again, is really kind of scary. It's probably the best version of myself, but that Mm -hmm. terrifies me. It's a different kind of conflict altogether. And it's interesting to me how many people would settle for mediocrity instead of. And I don't want to say something so trite as to push yourself to be the best. It's not about pushing yourself. It's about being able to look yourself in the mirror and recognize that you're standing in the shadow of your best self. Mm. And if you can just get through that shadow, you have no idea how amazing things could be. But that is the most terrifying experience a human being has, I think. That's that's where the the crossroads of selling and humanity you know, really is, you know, we're, mm. we're thinking about, um, personal development and, and so many other things. Um, I think, you know, what you were able to recognize at a very early age, sales age, I think that's pretty incredible. And, sales
1: and- I think something that is a conversation that really became a lot more prevalent during the pandemic, but it's an important conversation is that selling like you can also mean that like your job does not define you and yeah. your job is not like this huge part of your personality like selling like you can also mean that you've realized what's most important is to show up and give you know your yourself to your customers in a way that uh you know you do right by them and then like logging out at the end of the day and being a plant mom, like writing your soul cycle by expending time with your family, like selling like you can also mean, I think abandoning some of the old narratives that like you gotta hustle and grind or like, you know, one I think we hear a lot is that somehow like being an entrepreneur is better than having a W2 job which just like blows my mind.
0: I question that regularly, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's funny. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, what do you line up with? And the thing is, and this is what most people don't tell you, um, you know, when you have real integrity and when you have real alignment between what you do, who you do it for, how you do it and why, like what looks like hustle is actually frictionless, mm-hmm. You know and and i remember talking about this you know around outbound um because jeb blunt obviously puts on he and anthony and Areno put on the outbound conference and they both they bo- well i i i was there um <laughs> i spoke right um the but these guys and and I'm, I'm you know i'm enamored and in awe of what they do like both of them in 2022 wrote two best-selling books that's insane and like, and not just like, oh hey, I got the screenshot. I sold thirty copies today, and nobody else sold more than twenty-five. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. These are like top of the list, perennial like bestseller bestsellers in the traditional. People actually
1: bought real physical copies of them in mass. Yeah, lots lots of
0: them. It, and they will, impressive. and they will for a long time. And that's a ton of work. Yeah, and it's like, wow, how do these people do it? Well, they do it not because. It's a ton of work and they're disciplined. And of course, there's a lot of discipline that goes along with that, but it's not as difficult for them because mm-hmm. that's who they are. It's what they do. It's their superpower because they have the alignment between who they serve, their unique way of serving them. They feel good about that. Like you and I to write, I don't I can't speak for you, but sometimes I sit down to write and it's like, Oh, okay. Do I say it this way or do I say it this way? And could it yeah. be clear? There's there, that is. And that's why I write, because that clarity comes the longer I write. But they've been doing it so long, like this is just an extension of them. And it's, it's you know, I don't want it to be reductive and say, well, yeah, I can just crap out a bestseller every year because that's not what they do. They're very, very purposeful. But that alignment is what makes the hustle mm-hmm. part not hustling for them.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a calling there. Like they feel called to write. And I think to an extent, like we were talking about this on your birthday, like you also feel called to write, maybe not entire books, but like the, the way that you're able to process your thoughts and express yourself through your newsletter, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think that's a calling. And it I mean, it's not always easy, I guarantee that if you talk to them, they weren't going to be like, every right. time I sat down to write the words just flowed. Out. Right? right? right. <laughs> like nobody that creates content, uh, whatever claim that it's that easy, but it is it like it is a, it is a calling like I when I don't write or when I'm not sharing my thoughts, particularly on LinkedIn, like when I don't have those opportunities to to sort of like, flesh out my thinking. Or, or maybe even it's something I wanna like test with a client and I'll like sense check it through a LinkedIn post. Like I mm-hmm. feel like something is missing.
0: Yeah, um, it's interesting to the, there are those times where it's like, okay, I can't miss a Sunday, so I need to sit down on Saturday night and write something. And sometimes those become my best posts. Um, mm-hmm. Other times they just kind of fall flat, but it's a completely different situation where it's like, oh, I have to write about this. And then you sit yeah. down and then all of a sudden you've got 1200 words and it's only been 25 minutes and you're like, wow. Okay. That, that was, wow. I can't talk that fast. You know I mean? It and putting yourself in position to line up with that, I think is the key there. Um, um Leslie, this has been fun. We're up against the clock now, unfortunately, but, um, this was like,
1: I think it's a you and me problem.
0: <laughs> no, it's alignment. That's what it is. It's, we're, yeah. we're illustrating our own point.
1: <laughs> to, to align.
0: <laughs> uh, thanks for being here.
1: It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: So what did you think? I mean, we barely scratched the surface, and it was really one of those undertones of the conversation that I wanted to go deeper into, and I'm going to next week. But the thing that kept coming back was people think that selling is this, and maybe 15 years ago, certainly 50 years ago, it was this, but it doesn't need to be like that anymore with the way that people are connecting in smaller groups over more defined uh, motives and characteristics, like you need to find your people. And the only way you're going to find your people is by being yourself. It sounds hokey, but the proof is out there. Look at how Leslie is succeeding. Look at how I am succeeding. Look uh, look at how everybody you are looking at out there. You are attracted to their work. You're attracted to them for something that is uniquely them. Look, if you are the same as everybody else, you are mediocre by definition, and you did not come here to be mediocre. So I'm going to dig into this a little bit more next week. I've got a lot of ways that I want to really kind of approach this subject and there's no way I can do it all in 12 minutes on a podcast, but I'm going to give it a shot. And uh, this is a conversation that we're going to extend, obviously, uh, throughout this podcast and everywhere else where you might follow me or you might follow Leslie on social media. The links to find her everywhere she is are in the show notes as well as a link to that Patreon group for her business book club. Uh, Again, I'm going to be a featured contributor in October. And I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending the last 35 minutes or so with me. I appreciate you listening because you've got so many choices out there. If you want to dig into this content a little bit more, this show is in course format, totally free at rethink I think you're going to like the way you can approach it. You can approach it season by season, lesson by lesson, if you'd like. And uh, it's a great way to comment and share and uh, really share your uh, thoughts, opinions, and even your questions. So if you have something you want to say to me, go there. That link will be in the show notes as well. And I will talk to you soon. Rethink the way you sell is a pot about it production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson with music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajoric.